Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio. And how the tech are you? It is time for the tech news for Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. Man, we're almost out of January already. And we are going to begin with an update about OpenAI. So literally yesterday, moments after I sent the episode about OpenAI, it was the story of OpenAI in case you weren't aware, I ended up seeing headlines confirming what had been rumored for a couple of weeks, that Microsoft is investing big time into OpenAI. While details are a little scarce, a Microsoft blog post proclaims that the two companies are entering into the third phase of their partnership and that it would be a, quote, multi-year, multi-billion dollar investment, end quote, for Microsoft. The general consensus is that this is Microsoft's bid to be competitive against Google, which, through its own work and various acquisitions, is also heavily invested in the field of AI research and development. Also, I imagine that all the folks who were recently notified that they were being laid off at Microsoft, we're talking about like thousands of people at this point, 
are likely a little upset about, you know, hearing the company is going to invest billions into efforts around AI. Oof. Yeah, there have been a lot of stories about Microsoft in particular, but companies in general putting out big expenditures right after laying off tons of workers. That's never a good look. Also related to yesterday's episode is another story that Professor Christian Tervish, or Terwish, I'm not sure how to say his name, over at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business, gave ChatGPT, which is the OpenAI-powered chatbot, a final exam in the university's MBA program. That's Masters of Business Administration. Now, I'm not sure if the fact that ChatGPT passed that final exam, if that says something great about ChatGPT, or it confirms some sardonic opinions about MBAs and the difficulty of getting one. Apologies to any MBAs out there, but you know, y'all have a, a bad rep. Now, I'm not saying that you earned that reputation. I'm just saying that reputation sure as heck exists, and it mostly revolves around a perceived over-reliance on jargon. Anyway, According to the professor, ChatGPT scored somewhere in the low B range of the final, meaning it didn't ace the test, but it did perform better than average. Now, I'm doing my best to resist making a lot of jokes here. I am curious how ChatGPT would do if you set it to the task of creating, say, a dissertation. My guess is that the gaps in its abilities would become far more apparent if that were the case. For one thing, it is absolutely terrible at citing its sources. I got a couple of Musk-related topics to talk about this week. First up, Elon Musk is currently on trial for securities fraud. This is something that the SEC was on to him about a few years ago. And in fact, it's over the same incident. Now, the SEC case, that one was settled. Elon Musk agreed to pay $40 million to settle that matter without admitting fault. And later on, he said he was browbeaten into that that course of action settling the case. Now he's been sued by a collection of Tesla investors who say that Musk's tweets back in 2018 gave false information, namely that Musk had claimed he had secured the funding necessary to take Tesla private at $420 per share. That a not insignificant amount of time was actually spent in court trying to get Musk to admit that his use of the number 420 was a joke about marijuana, but Musk did not budge on that. He said it was merely a 20% over the value of the stock at the time, which was a standard thing if you wanted to take a company private. That's what he argues, is that if you're planning to take a company private, you have to uh, increase the the cost per share by 20% to convince shareholders to, to, to deal, to sell their stock at a 20% premium and then the company can go private. That's what Musk is saying. And that's just a coincidence that it happened to be 420. But as to the actual claim of securing funding, there was a lot more back and forth in the court about that. Musk says that he received essentially a verbal agreement from Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, or PIF, that they were going to provide funding for this, uh, this move of Tesla from publicly traded to private company. This is the same... PIF that helped Musk buy Twitter late last year. Uh, also, the BIF represents the interests of the Saudi prince, whom you might know 
as the guy who allegedly ordered journalist Jamal Khashoggi to be assassinated. Anyway, Musk never got any of this in writing, so the investors are claiming that Musk was misrepresenting himself in those tweets by saying that he had secured funding when in fact he had not secured funding and that he was essentially engaging in securities fraud and market manipulation. Should he be found guilty, Musk could be fined an enormous amount of money. I'll try to stay up to date with the story as it develops. Over the weekend, Elon Musk tweeted that Twitter has too many ads, and this will soon be addressed. Also, that Twitter will have a higher tier subscription level that will be completely ad-free. So if you become one of the subscribers, you'll get an ad-free experience on Twitter. Of course, a lot of brands have already abandoned Twitter, and ad revenues are reportedly way, way down. So you might just want to, you know, wait around. Because it sounds like Twitter could be ad-free before long, whether you have a subscription or not. Sad trombone. All right, to be fair, I think the last report I said read that half of the top 100 advertisers had abandoned Twitter. But this was early on in Musk's takeover. So this was like last November. It could very well be that that trend has reversed. It's hard to say because Twitter no longer has a PR department. So you don't really hear about what is going on from an ad revenue perspective very much. Reuters reports that Apple is working with several big media partners in an effort to create content for the company's upcoming mixed reality headset. It's an XR headset, if you will. Disney is said to be one of the media companies that is dealing with Apple right now. And this is not a huge shock. Uh, hardware, particularly mixed reality hardware, is really just a paperweight if you don't have any software to run on it. With the rumored price tag for Apple's headset being in the $3,000 range, I'm not sure anyone is going to be able to make a feature that is killer enough to turn this product into a bestseller. Like, it has to be a really compelling use case to convince people to fork over three grand to get one of these. If you'll recall, Apple had previously planned to release augmented reality glasses, but now reportedly those plans have been put on the shelf indefinitely due to it being wicked hard to make something that fits in such a relatively small form factor and still, you know, work. Instead, Apple is going the mixed reality headset route, so it's more of a combination of virtual reality and augmented reality. So you've got a display that you're looking at as opposed to transparent lenses. But the headset has uh, outward-facing cameras so you can get a pass-through video feed. So you're looking at a live video feed of whatever's in front of you. Um, so it's kind of like you're looking at a live broadcast instead of at the actual world around you. While the first generation sounds like it's going to be prohibitively expensive, for most of us anyway, the long-term plan is to release a less expensive headset later on, perhaps in 2024 or 2025. Though my guess is that it would still be more than $1,000 based upon how expensive this first one is rumored to be. So yeah, I don't know if anyone's going to make an experience so incredible that it's going to convince more people to fork over three grand. I'm sure there will be some. There always are. Apple has some pretty diehard fans with a lot of discretionary income. But man. Okay, hey, remember Sam Bankman-Fried, a.k.a. SBF, 
the co-founder of former cryptocurrency exchange FTX. And you remember how FTX imploded last year and SBF was reduced to being almost penniless, according to most reports? Well, personally, I would love to experience his version of being penniless because uh, I just read that federal prosecutors have managed to seize around $700 million of assets belonging to SBF this month alone. And, you know, I get it. SBF had millions of dollars. It's just that none of those millions of dollars were in pennies. So technically he was penniless. Now it all makes sense. Anyway, SBF is to go to trial over charges of securities fraud and similar charges this coming October. He has pled not guilty to these charges, and he's currently under essentially house arrest at the moment, which, y'all, I've heard of folks who end up having to stay in jail after stealing less than 100 bucks. This guy is accused of misappropriating billions of dollars, and he gets to wait his pretrial time out at his parents' house, which, believe me, is not a shack in the woods. What a world. Anyway, about half a billion dollars of the seized assets were in the form of shares for the company Robinhood. And almost a hundred million of it happened to be in a, an account, cash, in an account with a bank that's called Silvergate. Uh, one wonders how many other places might be holding money or assets belonging to SBF. It's pretty incredible. Okay, we've got more news stories to go, but before we get to that, let's take a quick break. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do. Work from the road by turning your vehicle into a reliable high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On the network that covers more roads than any other carrier, take your work on the road and AT&T will be there to keep you connected. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls, finish up that presentation, or answer last-minute emails. Why wait? Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi today for free trial eligibility. Based on independent third-party data, number of devices varies by manufacturer. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Today, I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Okay, we're back, and we're back to cryptocurrency. So Reuters reports that Binance, the largest crypto exchange in the world, and one of the factors that you know contributed to FTX's implosion last year, has processed nearly $346 million in Bitcoin transactions for a different digital currency exchange called BitsLotto. And you might wonder, well, why does that matter? Well, that's because U.S. authorities have called BitsLotta, or Lotto, a money laundering engine. And they have arrested that company's founder, who is a guy named Anatoly Legkodimov. And again, I'm sure I'm butchering name pronunciations. So the implication is that Binance was complicit in processing illegal funds. BitsLotto had heavy dealings with a dark market called Hydra best known for dealing in illegal goods like drugs. And representatives at Binance say that Reuters has it all wrong and that Binance is very, very alert when it comes to attempts to do hanky and or panky with the exchange. They have claimed that the company has instituted systems that check for possible money laundering schemes and the like. But from the Reuters report, it sounds like these claims are perhaps not entirely convincing. Anyway, Binance has been under scrutiny for a long time, even before the FTX collapse. And I suspect that scrutiny will intensify as a result of this new development. Here in the United States, the Department of Justice is expected to sue Google over antitrust concerns. Specifically, the DOJ sees Google as holding a near monopoly on the digital advertising market and that it maintains its dominant position by practicing anti-competitive strategies and, you know, just suppressing competition in general. Google is likely to argue, as it has in the past, that there's still a great deal of competition in the digital advertising space, with massive companies like Meta slash Facebook, AT&T, and Comcast in the mix. And I'm not sure if this lawsuit will actually go anywhere, but it is yet another indication that there is currently some momentum in the U.S., when it comes to pushing back against big companies in general and big tech in particular. Yesterday, Spotify announced that it will be cutting 6% of its workforce, which is around 600 jobs. The company seems to be saying the same thing that we've heard from other companies within the tech space, namely that the pandemic drove business up. And so the company invested in hiring and growth. And then as things started to return to normal and business began to wane, along with macroeconomic factors coming into play, it became clear that this growth was more than what the company could comfortably sustain while also returning value to shareholders. So now the company is cutting back. And y'all, it's getting real tough out there with all these companies cutting jobs in the tech sector in particular, if you or someone you know has been affected by layoffs, I just want to say I've been there. It stinks, but I do believe in you. So hang in there and good luck. Hope it all turns out well, because uh, it 
it is it's tough and it sucks and I've been there. Yuck. So when a hacker discovers the Transportation Safety Administration, aka the TSA, uh, has a no-fly list that is on an unsecured web server, who is really to blame when they, you know, publish that fact? The reason I ask is because Tilly Cotman, who uses the hacker handle Maya Arson CrimeU, was tooling around on this unsecured server. She says she was doing it because she was bored, and she discovered the no-fly list on this server, and that includes around a one and a half million names. These are names of people who are forbidden from flying here in the U.S. due to being either a terrorist or suspected terrorist. Now, normally, this kind of list would be hidden safely away under lock and key and protected, but Tilly says she was able to gain access to the list with no resistance, which does point to a pretty massive security problem. U.S. authorities would like a word, or actually probably a lot of words, with Tilly, who's also suspected of being behind other massive hacks, including one that happened a couple of years ago, where a hacker accessed more than 100,000 surveillance cameras belonging to Verkata. But y'all, you know, it's not breaking and entering if the front door is wide open. That's just entering, and maybe also trespassing, but you get my point. And finally... I would like to tell you about a new hero of mine. His name is Brian Birmingham, and he's now a former lead engineer for Blizzard. So Brian is no longer employed at Blizzard because he objected to the company's stack ranking process for evaluating employee performance. Essentially, Brian was told, as all leaders in Blizzard were told, that he had to rank the employees under his leadership along a bell curve and that this would include about 5% of those employees being placed at the bottom, because that's how bell curves work. You have to have a top percentage, and you have to have a bottom percentage. Even if everyone is kicking butt and taking names at their jobs, this kind of structure requires you to single out people and say these are the bottom performers. And presumably that would then affect those employees in the form of bonus payments, and it could also serve as sort of a black mark on their employment history. It could mean that later down the line, they would be prevented from getting a promotion because it would be marked that at, in 2023, they were, they were evaluated as being a bottom performer. Brian essentially called BS on this practice. He said, it's counterproductive and it's bound to make employees try to avoid being in that bottom 5%, not by being better at their jobs, but perhaps by engaging in stuff like sabotage, like trying to cause other employees to fall in that bottom five instead. Or they might seek out a low-performing group because they could stand out as a high performer if they just sought out mediocrity. And that this is all ultimately counterproductive to the ultimate company's goals. And a lot of other companies have used and subsequently abandoned this practice, finding, in fact, that it is counterproductive. But Blizzard is still doing it. Anyway, Brian said he would not participate in this, and he was subsequently fired. He didn't intend for the story to become public news, but someone else leaked it to the media, and here we are. So my hat is off to you, Brian. You stood up for those in your department. 
you protested an inherently flawed management system, and you set an amazing example. Any company would be lucky to have you as a lead engineer, and it's my hope that you will be able to actually return to Blizzard, where you clearly enjoy working, and that you will be able to lead in an environment that doesn't pit employees against one another like it's the Thunderdome. Okay, that's it for the news stories today. Tuesday, January 24th, 2023. I hope you are all well. If you have suggestions for topics I should cover in Tech Stuff, remember to reach out to me. You can do so on Twitter. Our handle for the show is TechStuffHSW, or you can download the iHeartRadio app. It's free to download and use. You can just navigate to Tech Stuff by putting that into the little search engine. It'll put you right at the Tech Stuff page. You'll see a little microphone icon there. If you click on that, You can leave a voice message up to 30 seconds in length. Let me know what you would like to hear in the future. And I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 